even though I can't see it yet, even though I can't even feel it yet, I've learned to trust the ebbs. Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my groovy creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hello, Michelle. I'm so excited <laughs> about what we're talking about today. It's so good to be with you. Hello, and it's a good morning from me and a good afternoon from you and your part of the world. It's a beautiful day here in sunny California. Excellent. And it was pouring rain here about an hour ago, which is not great for my internet, but it's eased off and we seem to have an awesome line. So let's dive into our topic today. This is episode number five, and we're talking about what to do when you lose the creative groove. This is a pretty good topic. There's lots to talk about, isn't there? Uh-huh. So talk to me about what does that whole topic bring up for you in your art making and singer songwriter performance creativity? Well, it is to me, it brings out the ebb and the flow, you know, that this is it is like a relationship It's like a marriage, actually that moves to me in and out. Sometimes you're on fire and sometimes you're in in an ebb, you know, in a time of, of more quiet. And it is getting used to that ebb and flow that to me has been the artistry of it really is how to be artists without producing art uh, is a very interesting place to be. And I think it is a very good place that we all go to if we can start seeing it as a healthy place of restoration, of rejuvenation, of getting ready for maybe a whole new expansion in another direction. Yes. And I wonder if that is us recognizing that that's not having lost the groove, but it's a different phase. And I love your concept of ebb and flow because I think what's happened for me in the past where art for a long while was really a hobby. It was something I did to defrag from my job. And, you know, in those days, probably up until 2003, I was really, you know, just having fun with stuff. And so I'd only ever not do it. And then when I'd come back to it, I'd go, oh, yeah, I really enjoy this. Why don't I? And back in those days, I used to do beading and it was my pre-jewelry days. It was kind of just anything I could get, I could stitch together. Um, pottery and ceramics. And I found that if I didn't make time for that creativity, when I come back to it, I'd really feel that reigniting of, yes, this brings me great joy. Why do I ever not do it? So that's one aspect, I think. Because you've had such a long history of your art making and your creativity, is that something that's ever been true for you? Or is it always been in the center? So it's more about the kind of focus that you've got and the dealing with any blocks that might come up? You know, when I decided to do music full time, I then took some detours that took me out of doing music. Ah. So it's very interesting. I went, I went to school, I went to, to Dick Grove School of Music in my early 20s. That was like my trade school. And I did lots of music and then I didn't do music for a long time. I went, you know, I was a flight attendant for a while. I was uh, skating around music, but it was like also my recommitment to it. And there's something when you are doing it full time, it's easy to get out of the groove if you don't keep the perspective of it. Because if you think you've got to make a living off of this artistry 
and it becomes strident. That's another way of losing your groove with it, right? Because you think that, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do it well, and I've got to do it now. And something about that can take you off the groove because you're not growing, which to me is one of the most important parts of staying in the groove of your artistry is you always need to grow just like the tree always gets new leaves right in the springtime. Yeah. So you need to have new ideas that really give you the juice, because I think you would agree with me, Michelle, if you don't have the juice, you're not in creative balance. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear more about what you have to say about that. Absolutely. And that word strident is really interesting, isn't it? Because we can put a lot of pressure on our artistry to support us. And I was of the opinion for a long time that that's totally appropriate, that we should believe in ourselves and we should commit to, you know, all, being all in with our creative pursuits. And that if we didn't make a full-time wage out of it, that we were getting in our own way in terms of our money. But I remember having a bit of a change of heart when I read uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic and she talks about her writing and not putting the pressure on her writing to sort of 100% supporting her financially and what freedom that gave her. And I really liked that idea and it switched something in my brain that I could have my business which was creative focus, but more in a business sense, more in an application of creativity into people in business, which is a different beast from being in the studio, just making art. But it allowed me to carve out time. And so for me, the ebb and flow then was being able to dance between the two and still carve out the time that I needed to get my creative juice in the studio, whether I was making jewelry or I was painting, you know, I've only been painting since 2013. So that's a more recent joy, but oh, wow, is it a joy for me, you know, to slap paint around these days. So I think when I was doing that dance between having a job that even working in my own business, I, there was still some demands on me, you know, I couldn't set my entire agenda, but I certainly had a lot of freedom and it produced an income. And so it allowed me to play and learn. And I think if I had have set out to say, right, I'm going to be a painter full time, the pressure that would have applied would have bounced me out of the groove so quickly mm -hmm. that I would have been desperately disappointed. I, I, you know, I'm imagining that I could imagine because taking just my painting, which has really been the last seven years and intensely probably the last two, how much of a learning curve I've had to go through to really almost find my groove with the painting mm -hmm. as an artist's pursuit, you know, as a creative pursuit. So that is, that for me is really, you know, that, that stridency that you're talking about is, can be an added pressure and creativity in its probably purest form where, where it's at its greatest uh, generative phase is really playful and light and the opposite of strident and the opposite of pressured, right? Yes, but I, I love what you were saying because I so agree. Because to me, the question is, how can I honor, well, I would say, how can I honor the songwriter? How can I honor the artist? And sometimes it is to get a part-time job that will supply what you need to take care of yourself so you can create. You know, to, the, to me, that's a very high calling of what do you need? It's all gonna be unique for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but what do you need to keep yourself going and to allow the ebbs 
uh, the ebbs to happen because they naturally happen. I love the story of, it's not the story, but it is how canaries are. My mom was in love with canaries and we always had canaries around. And when canaries go into molting, they don't sing. Wow. They don't sing because they are absolutely learning a new song. I love that. Oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, we in this world, we think, oh, my God, we have to be out there doing the out. And but, you know, it was just the simple of being silence and learning a new song. And I love that story of the canary because it reminds me that when I have the ebbs, there is something going on as this creative stew. You know, there's something, even though I can't see it yet, even though I can't sing it yet, even though I can't even feel it yet, I've learned to trust the ebbs and not get worried. Mm. And that brings mm -hmm. us to a really interesting concept about the pressure to produce. And I think that can be just a personal imposed pressure on ourselves, or it can be a financial one. And I feel that I struck a concept that was shared with me by Connie Solera, who's an artist in the States. And she's a, also a coach and leader of art of artists and I found she talks about the seasons and I loved this because it made sense although I don't find I have an annual calendar to my seasons but my arc of my creativity is definitely about the sort of going through different stages and part of that in and you know maybe that's your concept of ebb and flow this in a different language but the idea of going inwards and exploring and maybe this is the malt phase where you're going in and you're you know you've perhaps just finished a big body of work which is I feel like I'm in this particular phase of like spring where having just done a big exhibition which was a year's worth of painting I'm now in exploration and production isn't necessarily the goal I'm playing with different materials and I'm exploring and I'm really reflecting on what is it that I want to say or what materials or techniques do I want to pursue. So there's a lot more introspection and gathering and exploring. And I love because I know this is going to lead to more excitement as I find what it is I want to follow. And that sort of then the production comes down the line from that. But I don't have to flip from having just finished a big body of work straight into what's the next thing, like let's start banging it out. So that's also recognising ebbs and flows. And for me, that's also about nourishing the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nurture. Nurture is so important. Mm. Um, you know, especially let's say you don't have any ideas coming through and you're feeling really dry. And I, I remember talking to an artist that says, it takes me a long, long, long time <laughs> <laughs> to finish one painting, you know? And I, I wondered what, what that's like, you know, to have a, a long time from the beginning to the end of a work. I remember my husband who produces all of my music was working on his own project and I literally held myself back from creating because there was a cycle of creating songs. You know, I create them, then we mess with them and, and arrange them and then get them out there in the world in the form of recording. And I knew that the whole flow of that structure wasn't going to be able to be in an action. And, and he's he is slow. Okay, it's my pace is quick. <laughs> 
he is slow. That's his, that's his rhythm. And I literally found myself backing off from creating. Yeah. But then I realized that my creativity had to pour and it started pouring in somewhere else. So it poured into really developing my, developing my Angels of Abundance Ascension Academy. And I have to tell you too, I kind of had a different experience that you said where, you know, this is business and this is my art because they all started to come together now. And it's very much a one thing. If I'm creating a course or I'm creating a meditation, if I'm creating a song, it has the same feeling to me as I'm creating an online business. It's a dance of creativity for me. Like, how am I going to say this? It's like all of it's a song to me now. Mm. I actually feel the more I've been in my studio making art, the more I can take it to other places. I feel that the balance has shifted, but possibly because the last 15, 16 years, I've been running a business and I've been thinking and structuring my day. I had to clear out space for that yes. pure creative pursuit. And now that it's been there and it's been thriving, I feel like I can take it places and I am more light and joyful with everything that I do. And I, I like that idea of everything being a song because I can, I can definitely relate to that even though I'm not a musician. I can get that. Everything's a, you know, a creative dance. I like that idea of exploring the drought what happens when we hit mm -hmm. a drought creatively? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked on an earlier episode that my one of my greatest fears was that I really only had one good idea and I was going to run out. And I don't struggle with that anymore. So when I have struck kind of down times, it's often with an individual project. It might be with a specific painting, for example. And while like you, I can be very fast to produce a painting, I'm also conscious that some paintings have their own good time in being birthed and they will not come any earlier. And so <laughs> I have one painting, this one beside me here. I started that 18 months ago. It looked nothing like what it does now and it had three major phases. The last phase, probably the last five or six months, I thought... It was with an older sister and a younger sister. There were three in a run and I had the first of them got through and was sort of the last big canvas in my exhibition in February. These, these other two just did not want to come along. They were <laughs> not playing. And so they just hung on my studio wall, not quite taunting me, but a little bit sort of I'd look at them and I'd go, I don't know what to do with you and keep walking, you know, just keep going straight into my studio. And then just the other week, like 10 days ago, even I went, okay, I'm ready for you now. And I pulled both of them down. I worked on both of them. And one of them I feel like is pretty much finished now, but that's a huge arc. And I find mm -hmm. that fascinating. So it's, it can be a, maybe not a drought, but a stuckness. Uh, I don't know what to do next. And there's also the other side of that, which is I like you enough to not want to ruin you but I don't know what to do next. So I'm not going to touch you. <laughs> and 
I know of some artists that are painters that literally turn canvases to the wall because they can't be taunted by them. You know, they, they, they don't want to be taunted by these things that refuse to be finished or refuse to communicate. Like I often get a sense from what it is that I, you know, from the painting itself, what it wants sort of to do next. So there can definitely be a stuck in the process kind of moment, which can also be frustrating and can really feel I can, you know, if I wanted to dive into that in a negative way, it's like, well, I don't really know how to paint then. If I can't finish this one, then, you know, I could make it mean a lot of things. And I think sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge to just say, okay, well, if not you, and this is one of my answers, is start something else. Because that might have a different arc of time. It may go from start to finish in three weeks, not 18 months. Do you have the same with songs? Is that something that happens with you? I want to just answer what you've just said because something came up very strongly while you were you were sharing that beautiful piece of how it took some time to come back to the last two. And now the second one is progressing and the third one is still coming along. I have seen the saboteur come out very strongly in my own life when I have something that I really want to do, especially if there's a time limit on it or there's a time like I'm going to release an album at this time. So I have, you know, this much time to work on it. And I'll never forget, I heard someone say that you need to put a big consequence on not doing what you say you're going to be doing in order to, and, and something, and it really girds it underneath, it does. So I decided I'm going to do this as an experiment. And it was around my um, album, Worthy. And that's when we used to do album, which was a collection of about 10 or 13 songs, right? All in one time, one place to come out together, just like you did a body of work. I was having the hardest time, like starting to move it into, all songs are written, but move it into a system of recording and being on it. And so I was in a group, um, I was on a retreat and I stood up in front of a group of people and said, if I don't have at least this up to the mixing stage in, and I gave a date, I think it was in three months time, I'm going to walk around my neighborhood with only my underwear on and a sign around my neck says, I do not care about my own desires. <laughs> and of course, I also had a reward there of, you know, I think it was a vacation down in Baja in the ocean. So I couldn't believe how much that just having a consequence. And of course, when I came home and told Michael, who produces all my stuff, he was furious with me. <laughs> he said, you know, what do you mean you're going to walk around your neighborhood without any clothes? I said, I'm not going to get there because we're going to finish this. And we did. We got to a place where I was okay. I, you know, but that saying, giving myself that expectation and, and, a, and a consequence undergirded that project and gave it strength that wasn't there before. So I also know that every time that I'm getting ready to express something in the world that's maybe an expansion of where I've been before, yeah. that I have a hesitation and I see my old patterns of not believing in myself enough, you know, or feeling like I have to be more like someone else all those things we've talked about already, and we're going to probably continue to talk about them. But what I, I think this journey, you know, after being on it for a long time, is still about believing in myself and having faith. Yeah. Because if you have a lot of expectation on your artistry, on your art, and it doesn't happen, that can really take you into another dive. 
and knock you out of your groove. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can I give a story that's just um, happened to me, which is the flip of that, which is there's an art competition um, that I was intending to put into and I hadn't yet got a piece that fit the requirements. So I was thinking, right, I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll step up to that and, you know, whip myself on a bit to get this piece together, something that would be suitable to enter. You know, a couple of weeks later, and it's not like I wasn't busy, but I still didn't have anything. And it's a particular size requirement of the artwork. So it's a small art award. So the maximum size is 61 by 61 centimetres. And the work that I would love to put in is 75 by 50. So, you know, it's kind of (laughs) the wrong dimensions. And when I said, you know, it doesn't matter if I don't put in for that award, so I was actually taking the girding of the loins. I was taking that away and the relief mm-hmm. I felt. And I thought, well, who am I doing this for anyway? And what am I making it you know, mean if I don't put in for it? And in a way it was a relief because I thought, I actually don't need that external validation. Yeah, it'd be fun. And if something just pops out in the next two weeks, great. But I'm watching the days tick down till the due date and I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably not going to happen and I'm okay with that. So it for me was because it wasn't about me being in my own creative way and it wasn't about a block. It's actually letting go of some of those external validations of my art that felt very mm-hmm. freeing and in fact, I think I would have pushed myself into stuckness if I was determined to get something out of me in this sort of mm-hmm. particular format. So I think it's really about us being super aware of the energy of what we're taking on and the way that we're thinking about something. So it could be really good to go, I must do this or else I'm going to walk the neighbourhood in my underwear or I'm going to let myself off and that is even better. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so much like it is in the flow, the flow of the relationship, you know, like yep. sometimes your art does not want to be dealt with like that. It has its own mind. It really does. <laughs> it will tell you. <laughs> it will tell you, no, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that. Yeah. 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 This, I don't want to. I don't want to. feels good. I don't want to. But this one, it feels good. It has shine all over it. It feels like sparkling with starlight. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And you got the album Worthy Out, did you not? You didn't have to walk your neighbourhood in your underwear. I didn't. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. So what are the things that you find, you know, we've talked about having uh, an awareness of the ebb and the flow or the sort of changing seasons so we're not putting extra pressure on ourselves. Um, I'm wondering about some of the other things that have worked for you, Jennifer, because I've got a couple that I go to if I feel like I'm a little stuck or if I feel like I've lost my lost my mojo and I need a bit of a reduce what works for you yeah you know what works for me is exploring some different things I think you've already touched on that but to me maybe taking a class with somebody else um, seeing how someone else does something uh, listening to aboriginal music you know for me it's like I ever I go, I need to go and listen to some African music. It really just once again ignites me. But I think the most important thing for me is nurture, is nurturing myself as a human, as an artist who is human, 
and really allowing that deeper dive into listening like what is really going on here mm. because no matter what you came here to be an artist mm. you are an artist yeah you know listen you're if you're listening to this podcast you are an artist and accepting all that part of your own self is basically accepting your artistry and just allowing it to go deeper and deeper and I love to go if I need to lay in bed and curl up in a fetal position and just listen to that little girl that's like, please, why are we working so hard? You know, I want some playtime, you know, what, whatever it may be. Let's go fly a kite. How about an ice cream cone? <laughs> you know, it's always very simple stuff, but um, it's very human stuff that we as artists, we need to continually nurture that artist within us. Um, because it takes a lot of courage still to be an artist in this world. It does. And I, even before I became, I saw my artist life as my central to my being, I still feel like the, you know, some of the concepts that you and I have talked about, um, The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron's book, and how formative that was for both of us. And that really does come back to things like, the morning pages, just taking care of some of that chatter, the artist date. I used to love the artist date and, you know, buying a new box of crayons while you're out, you know, some cheap <laughs> $2.50 crayons or some yeah. stickers or something that you can cover the front of your journal. There's lots of ways. I, I know that there's a lot of people who are in the visual arts struggled not being able to get out and go visit galleries and see art in person during COVID last year. I'm really, and I really relate to that. And I felt, oh, yeah. you know, the first time I got to see stuff, would just stand there in front of someone else's work and have that experience of it. It's different mm -hmm. from looking on a tablet. There's some whole other presence. And I really, you know, for me, that's one of the joys of going and standing in a gallery, even if it's just a tiny, you know, even if it's just, a, you know, something not grand, it's it, but it still can be very moving. You know, I can find five artworks from a student exhibition and be totally moved by those as well. So it's not necessarily about size and prestige, though, you know, standing in front of Monet's lilies is an experience. Um, I, I do. <laughs> yeah. I do think that, yeah that reducing of the art and artist and taking care of her, even if you've got a part-time or a full-time job, it doesn't mean that you don't have to take care of the artist, right? You know, she, he or yeah. she still needs to be nurtured. And not in a, in a vacuum, you know, like you mm -hmm. said, going to a museum for, for, you know, musicians, we basically weren't able to play live during COVID and still, still it continues. Um, and that is such a stimulus. For me, I remember when I first met Michael Gale, uh, we were we were playing gigs, you know, five nights a week in L.A. and <laughs> doing covers. And I was like the most one of the most creative times I was like determined to write a new song every day so we could play it that night. Oh, wow. You know, it, it was like such a uh, an impetus to just like, wow. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, that's when I realized how much joy uh, songwriting brings me. Yeah. 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 And we each have our rhythms of productivity, don't we? Like I know you are an in, you're a machine. You can produce stuff, and that is, but that is kind of how you're wired, right? 
you know that about yourself that you're yeah I, but I do I go 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 and then I and then I just take a dive and have to really take some time maybe a whole day of doing nothing it's the art of doing nothing <laughs> I'm laughing because now. you say a whole day and I'm thinking a whole month I've done a whole year <laughs> being <laughs> utterly utterly quiet in rest mode yes yeah yes well, if I'm not feeling a creative vibe, I know it's time for me to, to just stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So losing and regaining the groove is a thing, isn't it? It's something that we all have to tango with and find our own yeah. way. Yeah. My go-tos, if it's just a, a momentary thing, I'll go outside and stand, in, you know, near some of the big, beautiful fig trees outside my studio and con or go out and consciously breathe in the sky. I love that, you know, put my feet on the mm -hmm. soil. That's a kind of a moment to moment thing. If it's a bigger thing, I need to usually come back and look at how I'm looking after myself. So how am I eating? Am I getting enough sleep? You know, some of that humanness, as you mm -hmm. were saying, of the artist in um, the care of self, that can be really important. And I also feel that you mentioned going and studying or learning from someone else. That can be such a joy, both for learning from another artist, but also meeting the other students. And I think that can be really inspiring because even though you might be doing the same topic or the same subject or trialing the same technique, I love that if you're in a room with 12 people, there'll be 12 different approaches, 12 different kind of sensibilities. Mm. And that's a fantastic thing because, you know, one thing that one other person does might just spark a whole new aspect of productivity or a whole new direction for my own artistry. So yes, there's lots of ways that we can keep the vibe high or regain it if things fall off. Beautiful. Anything else in this whole topic of gaining and uh, regaining the groove? I think we have really covered a lot of area today around losing the groove, staying in the groove. Yeah, yeah I think, I think there's so many aspects to it. It's a really rich topic. But if listeners want to get in contact with us, how can they contact you, Jennifer? How can they connect up with you in the interwebs of this world? There's two places, actually. Uh, jenniferruthrussell.com. You can find out what I'm up to musically and also at patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Jennifer and Michael is where we're putting all of our new music. And it is very exciting to be there and be on the leading edge of what's being created now. It is. And you share both free music song meditations as well as people can sign up to support you through patreon mm -hmm. absolutely and it you know in any amount is appreciated yeah it's a beautiful thing to be able to support artists as we know we're all looking for the reciprocation we put lots of joy out into the world and i love supporting other artists as well so if people want to connect with me i'm michellewalkerart.com or if you want to join me on my social media, I'm at Michelle Walker Art for both my Instagram and my YouTube. So thank you, Jennifer, for joining me to talk about getting into and getting back into the groove of our artistry. My pleasure. What have you got coming up the week? <laughs> 
I'm so glad you asked me. By the way, I've just loved our conversation today. What's coming up is my music is expanding into light language song, and mm. I am very excited to be offering for the first time vocal light song, uh, which is in a language of the angels, something ancient and something very much of the heavenly realms that maybe not be understood by those who just think they understand English. So it's a vibrational music and I'm very excited about it. It's very intentional and you can find that actually it's an exclusive for on Patreon. It's called Makatio. And can I just say, if you're listening to this and you don't know what light language is, I really encourage you to go and explore that with Jennifer's work. I have had the joy of experiencing her light song and it is exquisite and it is such a ah, joyful thing to receive. So thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. That's wonderful. And we'll thank sign you. off now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now. That was just pure ignorance. <laughs> you can hear me now. <laughs> I can hear you. It's good being a musician. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.